However, standing by right now is the one and the only Sean Mooney. Who? Mooney, everybody's got a price for the million dollar man. <laughs> After you threw him off through the announce table, Taker climbs back down, he gets in the ring, and he goes, see if he's breathing. So right before I called 911, I thought she'd fallen asleep. So I nudged her, she didn't respond. I was sitting out in my front yard, and they told me that uh, she didn't make it. They beat Cena up, they beat me up, and I had never been touched before. They're going to get me. They're going to rip my suit off. They're going to beat me up. You know, I think it would take probably $100,000 at least to bring us in for the Hall of Fame. Are you laughing, Sean? I get off the track here all the time. Did you just laugh, Sean? Attention, Sean Mooney, you scum, you slime, you maggot. If there's no further questions, you're dismissed. Carry on, maggot. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Primetime with Sean Mooney. Coming off our super Q&A with Sean Mooney last week. And uh, I have to tell you, folks, going into that, I had to be persuaded to really do this. Uh, a Q&A, just flat out. And we put the word out and said, you know, folks, you got questions for me. This is your chance. Send them. I didn't know if we we're going to get five questions, ten questions. Well, we, between our Facebook, our Instagram, and our Twitter accounts, Man, we got a tremendous response, uh, well over 100 questions, and uh, we sifted through as many as we get to. There were a lot we didn't get to, and I, boy, I hear it from some people. Why didn't you read my question? And we, we just didn't get to it, and, and yet we did two hours, over two hours of, uh, of Q&A there, um, and it, really, and I enjoyed it. I, I really enjoyed it, and uh, Casey did a great job. Casey Dronebeck, our producer, uh, stepping in there. And uh, just peppering me with questions and pushing the envelope, trying to get the dirt. Uh, no, but it was it was a lot of fun, and uh, we're going to do more of those. We will, as we you know, we won't do them, uh, you know, weeks apart. It's going to be months, but uh, I like doing it. And and uh, you know, as we uh, continue to uh, go along this trail here with prime time with Sean Mooney, it uh, we keep learning more, more and more about uh, the business. And it brings back more and more memories to me. So there will be a lot more things we can talk about in those Q&As, and we will do another. But we are back this week with another uh, very special guest. And this individual, there's a, there's a lot to this guy. And I love having guests on like this that, um, you know, you talk about facing adversity. And we know that uh, people have faced a lot of adversity here in this country uh, there's guests we've had on. You talk about like Danny Davis, who was a, a street fighter at earning a living or whatever it was, uh, as you might call a living or whatever. But he was a, a street fighter at 13. And uh, he's one of those people that just really was determined in life to to make it. Uh, PCO is another guy that just had a great story. But uh, this individual came from uh, Iraq. And you're going to know who I'm talking about. Pretty, I, You probably already do right away. But uh, was born when there was a lot of uh, uh, instability in that country. And, of course, there is to this day. I mean, centuries have gone on in the Middle East there. But um, Adnan Al-Kasi is going to uh, uh, join us today. And Adnan, of course, I know him as General Adnan uh, back when I worked for the WWF. And, man, what an incredible story. And you're going to hear him talk about his journey and uh, a lot of other things. Uh, before we get to it, though, I want to remind everybody once again, uh, we were uh, had some great questions last week. I've got a lot of prizes going out. If uh, you have since listened to the episode and you heard me say I liked your question and you got a prize, remember you need to email me at primetimemooney at gmail.com. That's primetimemooney at gmail.com. And give me an address and your name, some of these didn't have people's names on them. There's your handle. So I'll need your name. And if it's a picture that I need to fill out, uh, a name who you'd like me to make the, uh, the signage out to. But some of the pictures, you know, of course, are just signed pictures. We had some great ones. And I'll be sending those out this week. I already sent out a couple. So that is coming your way. Keep up with us on Twitter, of course, at Primetime Mooney. And that's uh, uh, the same address with our Instagram. But right now... I think we should get right to our main event with Adnan Al-Kaisi. 
Ding, ding, ding. You know, uh, my guest here on Primetime with Sean Mooney, I want to refer to him as General Adnan because that's how I knew him as this uh, incredibly tough enforcer. (laughs) But a lot of other people know him as Adnan uh, Al-Kasi and uh, many other gimmicks along the way. Uh, Adnan, thank you so much for joining me. Um, We have so much to talk about. You have an incredible story, and it's not just about wrestling. But uh, how are you? Uh, I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah, you're living yeah, in Hawaii a, now, right? Huh? You're living in Hawaii right now. I understand. Well, yeah. Well, you think I'm sitting in Honolulu, Hawaii, my place, beautiful, right, uh, close to the beach, beautiful view, and watching football on TV a little bit. Yeah. When did you make that move? Because uh, I know you were uh, here in the States for a long time. How long have you been? Uh, well, you're still in the States, just in a very nice well, <laughs> in a very nice two island. places. Long time ago when I was wrestling uh, all over, you know, in Japan and Australia, Philippines, a lot of places I was going and I was making good money at that time. So I never went back to the mainland, you know. But I worked with the WWE for a while. And... Yeah. Uh, Stayed here and uh, finally I was supposed to slow it down, you know. Yeah. And I did slow down and then I decided to live in one place and went to other. And then since then, that's the story. Yeah, well, yeah. I know uh, that uh, your home country, Iraq, is some uh, something a place that you still hold very near and dear to your heart. Uh, you wrote a book back in uh, 2005, I think is when it came out, The Sheik of Baghdad. Uh, and yeah. folks, he is a real sheik. Um, Tales of Celebrity and Terror from Pro Wrestling's General Adnan. Um, yeah. And I hope, folks, that you'll take time uh, to, to read it. It's, it's been out a while, but if you don't know um, Adnan's story, it, it is an incredible one. And I really want to, uh, I think that that's what kind of, uh, you know, defines you, uh, where you started in your life. And you know, people who don't know the country of Iraq, it is, uh, you know, rich, rich, rich in history, centuries of uh, a, a yeah, country that yeah. was conquered by many different regimes along the way. Uh, you were born in, in 39, which is a very volatile period of time of what yeah. <laughs> was going on. So uh, start there. I mean, what was it like in Iraq when you were a boy and uh, and growing up? Well... I was very, very much interested in uh, in sports when I when I was born, you know. Yeah. And I remember very well my dad. He used to always argue with me and shout at me and said, "Stop playing all the sport. You don't need to stay away from the sport. That's not going to make a living for you. Yeah, you gotta study and pass your courses and you know this and this and that." And get a degree and this and that. This is what's going to make living for you. And I never paid attention too much. But I kept working out, you know, in the middle of the night. I get up sometimes, 2 o'clock in the morning, 1 o'clock. Summertime is very hot back in Baghdad. And I sat on top of the roof. And I got those meal, they call it meal, Zorhana, one of the oldest sport in the world today. Mm-hmm. It produced so much champions, so much powerful men in the world. Yeah. Started it in Iran, Tehran, Turkey, and all of that. And I had everything, and I just kept on going. Yeah, well, your, all, your family, your, your family is, uh, you know, your father, I believe, was a, a an imam or, or a Muslim, uh, a big religious leader, and I'm yes, sure I guess well, that was his focus. Yeah, yeah, he's not the only one. His four brother, I got four uncles. Yeah, one of them, Sheikh Qasim Al Kaisi, as the oldest uncle I have, he was the Mufti of the Muslim faith, just like the Pope yeah. in Rome, you know. And he was, I mean, unbelievable. And then another brother I got who lived in Basra, close to Kuwait, and he was in charge of that whole area the same way in religion. And another one of them is Rashid Al-Kaisi, is about 20 miles from Baghdad. And my dad was in the heart of Baghdad. They all, all involved in the Muslim faith and religion and so forth and so on. So I grew up with my dad, you know, in, in the church, 
the Muslim faith and all that, and stayed out of smoking and stayed out of trouble and all this and that, which it did me good, you know, very, very much. Yeah. And I played soccer at high school, and I wrestled over there. We have good, good wrestling team in that time. And I became the Iraqi heavyweight champion in wrestling mm. twice. And all of a sudden, I met somebody, American. He was a big office in Baghdad, Iraq. They call him the American Friends of the Middle East. Uh-huh. This man was in love with me because he loves sport. And uh-huh. he watches me play soccer. And he watches me wrestle. I wrestled the Turks, and I was the Iranian in Baghdad, they come. And he was very, very, very much involved. And he finally talked to me and called me at office. And he said, I want to get you a full scholarship in America. Would you go? I said, of course I go. Why not? He said, I think you got a hell of a hell of a, a future for you back there. you got a good athlete. Uh-huh. So sure enough, I gave him my credential, and two weeks he brought me a full scholarship. I said goodbye to my family and everybody, and I went. You know, before we yep. get to that trip, uh, Adnan, to to the United States, it certainly changed your life forever. Um, yeah. But you you mentioned um, how you grew up, and it was very religiously oriented, and um, you know, Iraq is 95% Muslim there, but that doesn't mean everybody gets along. You know, you have the Turks and the, the Shiites and the and the Sunni. Um, what was yeah. that like growing up? Was it dangerous uh, all the time growing up? And then you had the British influence there. I mean, it was there was a, a very volatile time. Was it was it dangerous growing up there? Not really, not really. At that time, it wasn't it wasn't that much. You know, yeah. uh, I mean, there was the Sunni. I'm Sunni. Yeah. And there was the Shiite people growing up in there too with us. They were born in Baghdad, Iraq, and that's is my eye. And I have as much as right as they do. And there was nobody really ever, ever said to me, you suddenly. And they all said to them, oh, you Shia. No, 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 no. Mm-hmm. They all Muslim people, Iraqi, live in Baghdad, and they live a good life, and that was it. And all of a sudden, you know, Saddam Hussein, you know, I went to school with him in high school. And we were very buddy-buddies together. And uh, at that time when I wanted to leave, he said, don't go, Adnan, I need you. You're my right-hand man. We're mm. here at school, blah, blah, blah. But I said, it's, I'm going to go to America. And now I'm going to get my degrees and work through my education and do something for myself. But when I come back, I know you with somebody here and then we'll meet again. I came back, he was the president. Hey, you know, uh, you, describe a, you describe a scene in your book, though, where you were with some classmates who were fired upon. And when did that happen? Where what is uh, that? You, you, lost, you lost some of your classmates. And I think you described that, you know, you were covered in blood as well. Uh, when did that happen? Was that when you were in high school or younger? Yeah, we were in high school. Yeah, we were in high school, you know. Uh-huh. At that time, at that time, Saddam was involved in politics before he got to the Ba'ath Party. The Ba'ath Party, uh-huh. a guy by name is Michel Aflak. He's a Lebanese Christian who wrote that book. Mm-hmm. And Saddam got very, very much interested in it. And half of al-Assad of Syria president, good friend of Saddam, he took the other half. So they both took, took, took it. Saddam ruled with it in Baghdad, and half of al-Assad ruled with it in, in uh, Syria. Mm-hmm. At that time, I remember. And Saddam got involved very much, and we were a lot, a lot together, and a lot of things happening, a lot of things, explosions happened from mm-hmm. the Communist Party, from the the Independence Party, and there was Saddam, I remember, he hated the Communist Party. He could not stand him, mm-hmm. you know. So there were a lot of fighting, a lot of bomb exploding, mm-hmm. a lot of fire, a lot of things, <laughs> a lot of it. So we all, we all lucky got safe, you know, what I'm saying. Yeah, well, it's amazing that, you know, you can describe it, uh, that 
I guess it just became a way of life. But uh, yeah. moving on to, though, with this opportunity, you got to come to the United States. It must have been uh, mind-altering to come to a place like America after growing up where you did. What are your first memories of coming to the United States? Well, I wanted to do something for myself because I knew if I stayed over there, I'm going to be a good athlete. What What is a good athlete back then at that time? Mm-hmm. You know, they were better athletes than I am. I remember they all starved to death and become homeless. Yeah. And I don't want to go that route, you know. So I figured if I go to America, at least I got my degrees. And I could do something with myself when I get over there. So when I first came in, I was lucky, you know, I met a guy. He was a heavyweight champion of the world in wrestling. It's not, his name is Yvonne Robert. I can never forget that man, mm-hmm. you know. And we both got an Ella de France ship from London. A French ship, one of the best ships ever. We got on it. I never met him. I never saw him. And I'm looking around. Where in the hell am I? What am I doing here? I don't have any money in my pocket, more than 20 bucks. <laughs> Starving to death, you know, on the ship. I'm looking at it. Looking at that. No, it's a beautiful woman, French, Italian. Uh, I mean, it's Spanish, every nationality in the world. And they're all laughing and dancing, having the time. And I'm thinking about my family, you know, crying. Mm. But I stood. I said, you do or die. One of the two. Mm. To myself, you know. I figured, well, I'm going. That's all to it. I did. And then about two days in the middle of the ocean, I went to work out. I wanted to work out. You know, I went to the gym. And I was doing some bridges and doing some set out and push up and this all by myself. And all of a sudden that Ivan Robert walked in. So I looked at him as a tall guy, six, two blue eyes, blonde hair, got four French lady with him. Unbelievable. <laughs> unbelievable. The body he has, he actually scared me. <laughs> and he came up to me and he said, you are a wrestler. I said, I'm sorry, me no speak English. Uh-huh. You know, and then we started talking to me. He comes in and shut my ear with cauliflower. He knew I'm a wrestler. Yeah. He said, you got the cauliflower here. I know you are wrestling. Where are you from? I said, I'm from Baghdad, Iraq. That's all I could say. I don't know in English. I'm mm-hmm. from Baghdad, Iraq. And he said, oh, my God, look at you. Holy Moses. I mean, I had a good body then. It looked like I was uh, a bodybuilder, you know, all abs and strong and mm-hmm. young, only my 18 years of age, 17, no more. So he fell in love with me. He said, he said, let's work out together, you and I, a little bit, not much. Not, don't go full speed on me, you know. I'm a pro. I'm not an amateur. You're an amateur. So I don't know what he's talking about. So uh, we shook him, we turned around, I legged up him. I got behind him, I lifted him up in the air, and I slammed him on the mat. And he said, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> oh, wow. You were shooting. I told you, half speed. I said, well, me don't understand English. Huh. He said, half speed. I said, I don't understand what half speed. Anyway, we had hell, finally. He said, you on the ship, where is your room? I said, I'm in the bottom of the ship, right by, by the engines. I have no money to come on the ship and get a room and sleep in it. Uh-huh. Are you serious? He said, yeah. He said, he called somebody, somebody said, go with him, bring all his stuff and bring it over. And he took me right next to him, the most beautiful room you ever saw in your life. He mm-hmm. said, you stay here all this time until we get to New York. Oh, my God. And we spent all the time together working out and this and that. He wrote me a letter and gave it to me. He said, I was going to go to the University of Houston. Right. You know, on full scholarship playing football. Right. That's when I came in the first time. So I did. I went and then he got me out of there and found me. He took me to New York, walked me around, and he took me to a restaurant owned by Jack Dempsey, if you remember him. 
Sure, of course. Jack Dempsey was heavyweight champion of the world in boxing. Mm-hmm. The first heavyweight champion of the world ever won from America, Jack Dempsey. Yeah. He had a most a beautiful restaurant you ever saw in your life. Every pro wrestling, every champion, every heavyweight champion, one he was there. They all there. Mm. This office is the room. The restaurant is unbelievable. We went in there. He introduced me to him. I met him. He was an old man, and and we ate some steak and we talked to the people. We took some pictures, and he said, you know, Adnan. I give you my number, I give you my address. I live in Montreal, Canada. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go to Canada, fly today. And uh, and I take you to the hotel. He took me to the YMCA, $5 a night. I stayed in the YMCA and he gave me an envelope. It was about $150 cash in it. Mm-hmm. He said, this is for you to spend until you get to Houston. And then I talked to the people on the bus. They're going to take care of you until you get to Houston. And they're going to take you to the YMCA to stay. And it was Christmas time. I had to wait about a couple of weeks before the holidays over and the university opened. Mm-hmm. I did all that. And they had some wrestling team at the Y. And I said, oh, my God, that's great. So I went in there to do myself. This guy, different American, Spanish, and different people. And... I just, they said, you wrestle? I said, yeah, I like wrestling. So they put me with their heavyweight, and I got behind him. And in two minutes, I had him on his back, and I almost killed him. <laughs> <laughs> they all were so scared of me. They don't even talk to me. He said, where are you from? Where did you learn how to wrestle? Why, 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 why? And all that, I told him, why? And we became a friend for 10 days holiday. They invited me to their home and ate, took me outside. Finally, when the school's open, they drove me to the school. I met the principal, the guy who was in charge, and he met me, and he said, we've been waiting for you, got all the information. And the story from then went successful. Yeah, you were you were a football player there for a while, I guess, the uh, yeah. until the coaching staff yeah. decided to take off and go somewhere yeah. else, yeah, and yeah, I guess yeah. some you were something coaches, you know, like they that. Were really but I guess football wasn't your destiny. So uh, when no, did you turn no, to wrestling? No, it wasn't. Uh, I never played football. You know, I played soccer, and they thought yeah. I could, I could be one of the best. You know, in America, if I had to play it all. Yeah. And I stayed in there. I had for the scholarship. They tried and they tried, and I didn't have that interest in it that much. Yeah. Then I found out about Oklahoma State University. They had the best wrestling team in the nation. And they won the NCAA, National Collegiate Amateur Association. That, I figured, well, I better go there. I had a friend of mine drove me over there, met the coach, looked at me. He said, you have full scholarship right now if you stay. I said, <laughs> really? I'm staying. Yeah. Wow. So I got the scholarship they offered me, and then I became the heavyweight. And I wrestled for them. And I became the NCAA heavier champion for... One year, and AAU champion, Pan Am champion, and, and my roommate, two of them, I got uh, a picture, big picture, uh-huh. still with me. Three of us made the team to go to the Olympics. I could not go because I was an American citizen. Yeah. I wanted to go. I felt stupid, dumb son of a bitch I was, you know. I called and I did. No, we're Arab and Tamburu. I got that's just bullshit, you know. Yeah. Nobody listened. Nobody answered. I not to go. They said, yeah. "Oh, they begged me to give me the scar. I mean, the uh, citizenship. Five days ago, going to get your passport. Are you going to go for light heavyweight, <clears throat> two hundred twenty pound, and you're going to win the gold medal?" And I refused to go. Sure, or I could have killed myself. I was young. I didn't understand it, you know. Uh, My roommate, one of them went there. They bought, each one of them won the gold medal. Uh, and they came and I met him, and they looked at me and said, Adnan, if you came with us, you will walk with it. Mm. You don't even have to wrestle to win it, because there's nobody could touch you. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. You know that that was that was the story, and I stayed well, in there and I finished. I finally got my degree, 
Uh, yeah, you got a you got a few degrees though, didn't you? Uh, didn't you get end up with a master's? Degree. I got my university degree. I got yeah. my master's degree, and I in got what? another master's degree. What, what do you have? Sure. What are your degrees in? Huh? What are your degrees in? My degree was uh, physical education, terrible badania, they call they call it, and uh, physical education and psychology. Oh. And then my master's degree the same way, both of them, physical education and psychology. So how did uh, Professor West come along then at that point? Yeah, and then I figured, oh, well, I mean, I really, they know me from wrestling everywhere in the country here. So they approached me to turn a pro. Uh-huh. I said, well, that's a good idea. Maybe I turn a professional, uh, tour the world, and I make a lot of money, and I went for it. And I became the chic wrestling and slowly I become, it took me about a year, I become one of the best. And I started wrestling in America, went to Japan, went to Australia, everywhere I went, nothing but money. And finally, went back to Baghdad in the 1970, and Saddam heard that I am coming. What was, uh, now, was that the first time you'd gone back? Yeah. Heard, had you been back before? Because I think... What, or that was early oh, yeah, 60s. I went back there and uh, I I met Saddam and he was very excited. And you remember when we talked to you and I, I said, well, I got three degrees. I'm a professional wrestler. I toured the world. I made a lot of money. And he said, well, you're not going back anywhere. You're staying mm-hmm. here. Oh boy. And, and your job, I'm giving you a job, the general director of youth at the Ministry of Youth, one of the toppest jobs in the ministry. Yeah. And you could bring wrestling here, and then I did, and he wanted me to do it. And I started bringing a lot of people, even under the giant, came over to Baghdad, yeah. Russell. And the smallest crowd we ever did is like about 150 to 100,000 people. Wow. It was unbelievable. It was the biggest success. I became so popular. I can even walk in the street five minutes. You know, it's just what was your what was your un, uh, official title that Saddam gave you for work? Yeah, what was your general director ah. of youth? I'm in charge of all the youth in the country. <laughs> the athletics. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. General Director of Youth at the Ministry of Youth. So you put these big shows together, and this went on for a while, right? Uh, and yeah, I did. I did. I stayed. I couldn't. I couldn't eat a moment ago because when he saw the crowd, one time he came to the crowd when I was wrestling. You know, the first match, uh, George Gordyanko. He was a good amateur from Canada, right. Canadian champion. And we did the biggest crowd ever, ever, mm. ever in wrestling, I think. Outside, it was over 100,000 people couldn't get in inside. So <laughs> Dan came in, he can even get to the front ring to sit with the VIP people. Uh-huh. It's unbelievable, unbelievable. That was the first opening. And the president was so excited. He got on television and he praised me just like the prophet of God. And he said, I give him a house and we'll build that house for you any this way you want it, any style you want it as a present from me. And from then he called me my son. And I, you know, I stayed for a while, for a long time I stayed. But there's people who love you and there's people who hate you because jealousy. They're jealous of you, you know. And I didn't care about that, and I didn't like to see it, but it's there, you know. Mm-hmm. And finally, I built the house. They built it for me. got the job. I got a car. I got a security. I got two, three people from the uh, defense ministry, I mean, uh, ministry. And I mean, I got everything I want. But I wasn't happy. I don't have any freedom. I don't have any freedom. I cannot go out. I cannot go to eat. I cannot visit a friend. I cannot, I cannot, I cannot. It's impossible. 
stay in my place at, at some time. And then when, when you look at evening, you know, the people start coming in. Well, I'm not exaggerating. Every morning when I get up from bed and look outside, there is about between 500 to 1,000 people on the front the door. I cannot get out. I cannot. Is that your house? Yeah. Well, so, what, I mean, you say jealousy. Yeah, but Adnan, you say jealousy. I mean, when did it, like, politically get dangerous for you where you uh, actually had to flee? I mean, that you were thinking that you would have to uh, leave your country. What, what point and what happened? Well, uh, you see, they're jealous of you. Unless people jealous me. They're not, some of them, they're not normal. They're abnormal. They're sick in the mind. They don't mind having a bomb in their hand and come and run after you and blow it as soon as they're next to you. They might, they don't, you know, they could bring a machine gun and you never know what they're going to do. You well, know, what about Saddam? What I mean was by it, jealousy. Did Saddam have anything to Saddam, do with this? Saddam, if I tell him this guy is bothering me and I think he's trying to do it, they will hang him in two seconds. Uh. So you were still in good with, you were in good with Saddam the whole time. Oh yeah, I oh. was very very good. Okay, I was good with every every everybody, in minister, prime minister, the president, all of them. I was good, you know, they all liked me. I didn't do any harm to them. I, the people loved the whole sport, and that's something never happened before. People enjoying it, and and so far and so on. Yeah. yeah, but how did they take you saying, you know, I I think I've had enough of this. I'm going to go back to the United States. How did they take that uh, news? They they wouldn't like it. They wouldn't <laughs> like it. I never told anybody. I just had to skate more like. Ah, okay. You know, I told them that I got some uh, matches coming up in Kuwait. I used to promote some wrestling matches in Kuwait at that uh-huh. time myself because, you know, and did a lot of good, you know, a lot of big money with it. And then I come back and I go, well, now when I walk to Kuwait anytime without a visa, without a passport, they just speak down my old the Middle East is the same, you know. So I did that for a long time, made a lot of money, and they say, you got so much money, and you're not happy. What the hell is good for? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I helped all my brothers and my sisters. Everybody in the family, I did the best I can do for them. Buy them anything you want. They bought them anything. You Put them so in when, the government. Yeah. So when did you when did you come back to the United States and and start uh, your, uh, this other career? About now? Seventy-seven, seventy-eight, somewhere sure. around there. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's uh, when you. Uh, I don't know. At that point in time, I don't know which promotions that you. Uh, initially got involved with. I know you ended up eventually with the WW. Well, I was WF. very well loaded and written in the pro, you know, as a chief. So I just went back, you know, and, yeah. and I remember I went to Vince at that time. Then senior. Then working. No problem. No problem. Yeah. Right away took me in, gave me booking and you start tomorrow, you know, stuff like that. And I'll start going. Yeah. Who gave you the uh, Billy White Wolf uh, gimmick? I know you work with Jay. Uh, that is, uh, that is, a, a, you know, I was involved in Oklahoma. When yeah. I was there, I used to go to the uh, tribes because I really loved it. And I learned how to do the dance with them. You know, uh-huh. they're not, like the Cherokee, Chickasaw, and Choctaw, one of the biggest three tribes in the American Indians. Uh-huh. They all live in Oklahoma. Uh-huh. When I was there, you know, they're not too far away where I was. I went all the time and watched them and I bought some headdresses from them. They gave it to me, all this, and, and they did that Indian dance. And it's just it's a beautiful ceremony, you know, it's just tradition. So when I wanted to wrestle the first time, they said, you know what? You look like Indian. Ah. Better than the Indian they look. <laughs> Why don't you wrestle an Indian? I think you could make it and you could make a lot of money. I went for it and I did it big. Became big in Japan, Australia. And I made a lot of money with it. And then right now I got a picture on my wall. 
Chief Billy Whitewolf, next to a General Adnan, in the front, the sheik, and then on, on, on the side, a picture of me dressed up and standing in there. Yeah. You know, so it's be- a hell of a three gimmick, I made it, and I, yeah. every one of them, I made a lot of money on it. And very yeah. well known, all of them. Well, yeah, and it, uh, it you, you you know, traveled many many roads. Um, you yeah. you spent a lot of time with the AWA, and what did that period of time do for you as far as becoming a professional wrestler? Uh, worked with a lot of uh, AWA. Big well, I I I met Vern Gagne. He was the promoter. Yeah, I met yeah. him in uh, in Japan, and he heard about me about my amateur because he was a good amateur. Yeah. You know, wrestled for for the uh, University of Minnesota, and then they told him all about me. You can believe it. He said, "I heard of him. I know. I got his record. I know him." And he watched me, in, and they brought him and went to us, and he's he just unbelievable. He said, "I promote Minnesota, and I want you to come, and then come to Minnesota, and I give you any money you want." Our territory down, and I know you could pick it up. You could bring it up. It's just something you're a hell of a talent. So I did. I went over there, and and I was just an Indian. I became as a sheik the first time in Minnesota. Ah. And really sheik Adnan El Kaisi. Yeah, And then we did we did business. His territory was selling out everywhere, everywhere. Yeah. Well, you worked with some big names, and Nick Bockwinkel was there at the time, and uh, Ken Patera. Yeah, yeah, Bockwinkel Bok- Bok- was the champion. On him. He was the champion. I wrestled him many times. We turned over a crowd every time. He couldn't even draw 10 people at that time when he was by himself. And finally, it's Mad Dog Vashon. They was there. Uh, yeah. A lot, a lot of big, big name in there, you know. From Milwaukee, Chicago, they all came down, and and I started wrestling in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and Chicago, and all that other, and drive in a car and come back, and the name was got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, and that that's how it started. Yeah, yeah, that was, uh, you know, they could, that was a training ground for a lot of people back then, and that's when they had the territories. Um, yeah, coming from where you you came from, um, it, it, the, America must have seemed like this gigantic, vast country. And yeah. uh, how did you, you know, adjust to all of that? And uh, you know, living this lifestyle that uh, you know at the time must have seemed very uh, not just lucrative, but uh, you know, just well, very free. The word, you know. I spoke Persian a little bit. Uh-huh. I spoke Arabic fluently. That's my language. I spoke English at that time very good. I became good, you know. I learned the language. And I was, I guess I'm promoted. Sometimes they could tell you who is the good, good, good. And talker on TV, who could bring the people. They know. And they classify me like number one because I start speaking in Arabic. Mm-hmm. And then I translated to the people what I have said because the people, they're so stupid and dummy in America. They don't speak their own language very well. And stuff yeah. like that. I got, Easy to be a heel. I got over big. Yeah, yeah, I got over big, big. And I was speaking Arabic, speaking Persian, and speaking English, and translating and this and that. And made my every my interview unique. Different languages in it. Do you understand? Yeah. Sure. Well, America, they got wrestlers. They go there and say, my name is Panther. I'm wrestling so-and-so, and I'm going to break his neck, and I guarantee you that's going to be happening. That's it. But, yeah. uh, you know, that, that's not kind of you, you know. Yeah, you had depth. You know, it's, 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 uh, I think the interview made me, made oh. me who I am at that time. Yeah, you know, and I, I mentioned I really about... Yeah, but I mentioned you being here in America, and uh, I'm, I want to talk to you about the Iron Sheik because I know that uh, you worked with him uh, a lot. But uh, yeah. it seemed as though you didn't succumb to, um, you know, all the things, the uh, the pleasures here that uh, I guess some would call it, but that uh, you know that a lot of these guys succumb to that ended up really costing them a lot in their career. How were you able to, 
you know, handle all of that that was going on. Because when you're in a situation like that and you're making a lot of money, uh, you've got the fame, everybody is, you know, wants to be around you. There are a lot of temptations. And how were you able to be able to control that so you didn't fall victim to it? Well, I did control it, you know, to be honest with you. I mean, I was very, uh, I am the type of person at that time, who I am, I am. And so I became a multi, multi-millionaire. I am who I am. Mm. I don't change, you know, because of the money. I don't change because of the position. I don't change because of name and this and that. No, I remain who I am. And then I was making money and I got popular and that. It didn't change me at all. Yeah. So did I you got partake? A lot of people. Huh? Did you partake in, in any of that? I mean, did you do the drugs and did you, you know, for no, the party? No, and no, I never did. I, I stayed away from them and I told everybody. Yeah. They were all, so many of them used a drug. They yeah. asked me and begged me. I said, thank you very much. You want to be my friend? Please don't ever ask me. I don't smoke. I never did and I never will. Uh-huh. So I was the only guy who was to his room with his sandwich in his hand, watch TV, get some paper, go to sleep, get up in the morning, cut the pain, go. Oh. Do my job. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Well, and up today, as up today, I never have done that. Never. Never. Uh, never in my great. life. So when did you first meet the Iron Sheik or Hussein Kazali in the city? Uh, well, when I was in Minnesota as a sheik, and uh-huh. I wrestled, you know, and this and that. And he was a broken in the business. And I, he went over there to be, and Vern didn't like him at all because he cannot talk, he cannot speak, he cannot uh-huh. speak English. He can, oh, he doesn't have any gimmick at all. Uh-huh. So, so he didn't do nothing with him. Mm-hmm. When I came in, I mean, I mean, I mean we start selling out Pacific Auditorium, 15,000, 20,000 people. Every Saturday night, never happened in Minnesota until I came. Mm-hmm. So, so that that's the difference. He he was in New York, and I went to New York, and he came in, and Vince thought it was a hell of an idea to team you together. Uh-huh. We worked together as a team, and we became friends because I speak his language. And he speak, you know, he doesn't make Arabic. Right. Persian people don't speak Arabic, only they speak Farsi, which is Persian. And I spoke a little bit with him. We got along and we interviews. And there was a lot of people at that time, Barbara and us, and I mean, they go to our bag and they put a lot of shit in there. And this has started aggravating, aggravation, aggravation. And I don't know. I think after that, I decided to go back. Well, I don't know where I went from New York, to be honest with you. I cannot remember. Yeah. I think I went back to Minnesota. You know, yeah. Well, you know, was it his lifestyle, though, early on that you realized you didn't want to be around? Or, or did you just not like him personally? What was, what, how'd you guys get along? The, the Iron Sheik? Yeah. No, no, no. We were friends. Uh, okay. He understand me. I understand him. And, uh, and, uh, but, you know, he wants to stay with Vince because Vince was taking care of him. Yeah. You know, because he knows him. He cannot speak the language. He doesn't have any money. He's broke and this. He was married, got daughter, two daughters, you know. And his wife lived in Atlanta, Georgia. And friends helped him a lot, and he's there and does that. And I had enough, so I left and left him in there. And finally, I don't know, something happened to one of his daughters got killed, or they found her a drug, drug cop, drug, you know, something. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know the story, really, to be honest with you. I don't know. And so it was, I kind of felt bad about it for him and all that. I left, left him in there and that was it. And he stayed, but right now I think he's in bad shape. Huh? Yeah, I, I, I don't know how he's doing, but 
Yeah, it, it, it's uh, it, when you look at it though, what, what he might have accomplished, it's it's another another situation. But um, yeah, well, he's in the wonder, now, wasn't he? The, yeah, but uh, um, you wonder, and because he was he was trouble all along the way. Um, yeah, he, why was, he, he was heavy on drug. He was heavy yeah. on drug. Yeah. When I was with him, heavy on drug. Yeah. I was driving in the car one time on the freeway, and he's sitting right next to me, have a towel and, and roll on him, goddamn, fuck a lolo and hash or whatever. And the police right next to us driving, watching us. Oh. I said, cars, cars, please, the police, put the thing down on the floor. Ah. I give him a joint. He can smoke it too. Don't worry about it, brother. Drive, drive. Right. Uh, you know. Do you, uh, Adnan? Adnan, do you ever wonder, though? Uh, I mean, the, the Iron Sheik was was always uh, whatever he was doing, but he was he, he was they, they always had issues with him. Um, why do you think that that you weren't that guy that that filled that role early on and had the uh, the matches with Sergeant Slaughter, and then I mean, you came in later. But do you think sometimes that that should have been you that that you would have? Uh... No, no. Listen, okay. me and my, me, I got over big, and I took uh, when Saddam Hussein went to Kuwait and took Kuwait over. America mm-hmm. involved, and but and then I talked to Vincent. Just talked to me. I said, well, I could be General Adnan, and I could wear uniforms and look just like Saddam. Because I know Saddam very well. We got a lot of pictures of them together. But Bob, he said, that's a hell of a gimmick. And yeah. then I could persuade Sergeant Slaughter to come with me against America. And we'll both right. promote everything against America. Yeah. He said, that's a hell of a gimmick. We talked about it, and we did it. And all that uniform that you saw and I did, I had to go with the girls, sit down there and show exactly what to do. And then I did it. Yeah. But were you? you know, but, no, I, and I want to get. I want to get to that because that was a, certainly one of the biggest runs in uh, uh, the WWF. But um, but prior to that, were you ever considered, you know, to do those runs like the Iron Sheik had prior to that? Uh, were you ever in the no, running? No, I. No, 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 no. When when then Saddam took Kuwait, there was a surprise know they to could me. Be, yeah, the, the, yeah. the that was a surprise to me. And then when America involved, right. and we thought that would be the hell of a gimmick of Sergeant Slaughter yeah. and General Adnan. That's it. Well, you know, there's a story the that I just, talked, I just talked to Sarge a couple of weeks ago, and he said that yeah. when they brought you in, uh, just to yeah. see how you would you know, be in that, that, uh, situation, you came in in yeah. full, full uniform. And he said, you even had a, a plastic gun that they said, no, you can't keep that. But did you show up yeah. like that? I mean, ready to go. Yeah, 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 yeah. That says I made everything. Uh, I made everything. I put the uniform on. Even Vince never seen me with the uniform. Uh-huh. General Adnan. Uh-huh. I had the gun. I had the, uh, the boots. I had yeah. the star, the flag. And I had everything, everything with me, the, the hat. And I yeah. walked in, I was in the room. And then uh, Pastor looking at us and said, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Wait until Vince. Come on. He grabbed me by my hand, took me to Vince. Vince looked at me. He said, who made that? I said, I made it. Huh. I made it. Wow. And then from then, we went. Him and I. Yeah. We even and, burned the American flag on TV, you know, because we were so hot. Yeah. We were so hot. I'll be honest with you. The CIA came to the ring one time and called me up. <laughs> and they took me inside and talked to me. She said, listen, this is your business. You're very well known, very famous, but, 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 but we just want to tell you because you could have been shot in mid- no, no time. Yeah. It could kill you. We're going to lose yourself. Who's going to worry about it? He said, cool it down. Cool it down. Because I had the um, Iraqi flag I was carrying, so I got yeah. picture on it. I go in the ring and I wave it, and there will be about a... Sold out. The uh, Madison Square Garden, he can even get in there. And I'm in the middle of the ring waving the Iraqi flag with that picture on it. And there is about... A hundred to two hundred American flag 
waving against me and all this thing about it. Uh, USA, you all love them, and I want to get out of the ring. I can't. I can't. No security. Yeah. They got the security. Get me out. And then people diving on me and hit me with can of beer and bottle on me. <laughs> I ran, ran. Otherwise, they could they could catch me and barbecue me and ate my meat. Yeah, well, they might have. Yeah. You, that, you talk about that was serious heat. And, uh, yes, there... that was a serious heat. You better believe it. No, yeah. no. I told Vince, I said, Vince, I cannot do it. I cannot do it. That's too much, too much. Yeah, I mean, you, you, yeah, had, a we, we, you, had, a, you had a family. Were they ever uh, you know, concerned during that, that run? Because Yeah, but, but Vince didn't care as a publicity for him. Right? That was yeah. the best publicity that he ever had for the WWF. He talked yeah. about It was serious. But, uh, you know what, the CIA came into the office, FBI came into the yeah. office and trying to talk to you to cool it down? Mm-hmm. <laughs> when did that happen? Were, were there discussions? Hogan got over? No. Yeah. yeah. But were there discussions? Because Sarge talked about how, I mean, they did things that were just, and nobody was really, you know, telling you they couldn't. It, you guys could, could control your own creative. But, you know, doing things like, I want everybody to rise and sing happy birthday to Saddam. And today is the Iraqi Veterans Day. Uh, I mean, wow. Uh, did you guys, you, you knew that, that uh, you would, blow the roof off as far as the heat went. Uh, oh, were there- we got so many things going. I mean, I got so many things going. I was going to, I was, I would even call the Ministry of Defense back in Baghdad and get, get the Minister of Defense, good friend of mine, get him on the phone and then talk to him and, and then carry all the conversation and put it on the air here in America. But they said, you better not do it. Wow. That's very dangerous. Were there any serious uh, death threats or, or uh, even, you know... Oh, people? yeah, a lot. Any, any really we re- can I'm, even go to any airport without our identity is being changed. Hmm. We cannot walk together, uh, Sergeant Slava and I. He is flying different plane, I fly in different plane, we'll meet, we'll, we go to that airport, I mean, to that town. Hmm. He re- arrived at 8 o'clock, I arrived maybe 1 o'clock. And we had some different hats and glasses and different clothes. We changed our identity. Yes, we did that. <clears throat> we had to. Because they said that airport, they, that might be people sitting out there with machine gun on their head. And as soon as they see it, they're going to blow you away. Mm. I said, no, thank you. Yeah, yeah. It was dangerous. It was very dangerous. Wow. Yeah. Were there any that were serious? We made a lot of money. We made a lot of money for Vince. A lot of money. I don't well, think we went anywhere, him, Sergeant, and I, whoever Sergeant is wrestling, and I'm with him, and with the people turn away crowd. Turn away crowd. Yeah. So, do you vividly remember that SummerSlam in 91 um, against yeah. Hogan and Warrior? Uh, yeah. Was that kind of the peak of all that when that was, when that came down, and then you had the Iron Sheik with you guys as well? Well, what do you think the peak of it was? Where, where do you think it was? Where, you know, it really was just the best it got. Well, I mean, we were, let's be honest, me and Sergeant Slaj, uh, three of us, we were well, well known. If yeah. we sold out, sold out. But not the ultimate warrior selling it out. Uh-huh. Not the thing Hulk Hogan either. I mean, we were so much higher than them. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I don't care what they say, but we the fact is the fact. You know, but at that summertime, what happened? There was a, there was a, 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 a record crowd never had, had been done before because of us. Mm-hmm. There was the biggest crowd, the biggest gate in, uh, uh, on it ever, ever. So the ultimate warrior, what he did, he went to Vince. And he said, Vince, I want my check right now before I go to the ring. And if you don't give it to me, I'm not wrestling in the ring. I'm going to leave right now. Mm. And he asked for some big, big, I don't know, 300, 400, or half a million, a check. He gave it to him. 
and he wanted in the ring and Russell. Otherwise, he would not going to go to in the ring, you know. Yeah. And came up with uh, uh, Hulk Hogan again as us or something like that. And then that's that's what happened. You see, and yeah. he took the check and and he took the check and Russell, but he finally asked him to pack his clothes and leave. So he yeah, that was pretty left. much it. Yeah, I remember that uh, yeah. very well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what happened. That's what happened. I mean, he thought he drew the crowd, but he didn't draw the crowd. We didn't huh. draw the crowd. Sergeant, myself, and Castro. Huh. Yeah. Uh, so after that, it, it, it kind of started to uh, wane at that point, and uh, you would end up managing the Sheik. Um, what happened after that? Uh, and you were and you weren't uh, there much longer after that with, with the WWE. Well, Sergeant wanted more money. They not paying him. I wanted more money. We not getting it. Yeah. And. A lot of things happening like that, you know, and Sergeant, he was in deep hot water with Vince, you know, yeah. because he yeah. left him yeah. before, yeah, you know, and then I brought him back because of the gimmick and so I, he said he's, he's done and bam, 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 he could, you know, it's, we had a good run. We friends, you and I. I love you, and I said I love you too. We could be keep together, but and then it slowed down somehow. I cannot remember the end of it. You know, I can't really. It's been a long time. You know. Yeah. Yeah. But when so, you when that's about it. Yeah, but when you look back during that period of time, and uh, you know, you, you describe it as a, it's they say it's a rags to riches to rags. Uh, I don't think he ever went back to rags. <laughs> No. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I know really. that the opulence was incredible when you were in Iraq, but uh, yeah, uh, yeah, you had a hell of a run. You know, back here I did, I did, States. I did five, six, seven, eight years of promoter, promoter wrestling at Baghdad, Iraq. That was yeah. the biggest thing I ever done in my life, yeah. and that put me the most popular person in the Middle East and among the Muslim faith. Every Muslim nation know who I am. Yeah, you know, still, still they do. That's to me, it's, they call it the Ostura. Ostura is the history of Baghdad, Iraq. It's, it's based on some it's four or five things, for example. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then my, me coming in wrestling, it was Ostura. Ostura, it means a historic, a historic thing that happened. In this country, and I'm part of it, mm-hmm. part of the country. You yeah. understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah that's and, what it and is. in a lot of ways, I mean, uh, you're you've been an ambassador uh, for your country because of that's I know it, that that's it. That's it. I was the greatest ambassador to my country. Everywhere I went, I had the flag in my hand and I spoke in Arabic and different. You name any country, I can get on TV and speak in Arabic. From Japan to the Philippines to Australia to the, the New Zealand, all Europe, all of my, everywhere. I yeah. spoke nothing but Arabic and English. That yeah. is the greatest ambassador to him, uh, from Baghdad Iraq to uh, around the world. Yeah. You know, you know, well, it's, it's good. You know, it's good, and I'm, I enjoyed it. You know, I mean General Adnan. I mean Billy Whitewell. I mean the Sheik. That's a free gimmick. Yeah. I met, I met him. I worked on him, and I met him all popular. Yeah. All well, and you, you traveled the world and uh, yeah. did some incredible yeah. things. I mean? Yeah, but yeah, I know that. Go ahead. Yeah, but, uh, you know, a lot of people understand it, but a lot of people don't understand it. Just like said, because it's jealousy. Mm. You know. What do you what do you see uh, happening with uh, professional wrestling today? You know, we had an event that we were a part of uh, a month or so ago. Some of these young kids coming up with these independents. Um, yeah. Are you encouraged by what's happening in professional wrestling now? Well, I am. I am really, to be honest with you. You know, I mean, I wrestled amateur all my life, and I could have been a world heavy champion with gold medal. But it's still happening to pro wrestling. You know what I'm saying? Huh. But. But, I mean, it's a shame. It's a shame, you know, what happened. I mean, 
I mean, Vince McMahon, he would love to go on TV and tell everybody it's all fake. There's nothing real about it. There's nothing this. We make them, we break them. But this is not the way to promote any, any, any business in the professionalism, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, he just went for the show. He couldn't, he couldn't take two guys go in the ring, good amateur, and Russell, like for example, Brock Rosner, you know him. Yeah, of course. You know Brock Rosner, he's in Minnesota, and I was in Minnesota, and I used to see him, and we worked out, we were a good friend. He's one of the best amateur, one the NCAA, and big, strong son of a bitch, and Vince couldn't get along with him because he's a good amateur. Mm-hmm. He doesn't like that. <clears throat> doesn't like that. He doesn't. He's, he'd rather bring some taxi driver, never wrestle in his life, and make a champagne out of him. Well, I I don't think that there's a problem with people knowing that the curtain's been revealed now. But uh, I think that uh, as far as the entertainment goes, and that's that's certainly debatable, that it's not what it once was, at least at at that level. But I have to tell you, I'm encouraged by some of these these young independent guys that uh, uh, are out there. And so maybe it will help change the industry again. Like we saw. I hope so. I mean, if I can help it, if I can be part of it, I'll do it. I yeah. swear to God, I'll do it. I'll yeah, go so you're still, you're still in, uh, I mean, not saying you get in the ring, but you still would be a part of it if it uh, came your way? I could. I mean, if I could be to help and bring the, the, the wrestling back to wrestling and have it respected from different people. Like, for example, you cannot go to the Middle East and tell them it's all bullshit and all this and this and that. Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, Baghdad, Iraq. These people believe in it. And if you tell them, they get a gun and shoot you. Yeah, well, serious. Yeah, they, I know that uh, they just went over there and had a pretty successful show. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's before, a different, yes, before, it's a different yes, world. No, yeah. no, no, they don't. Yeah. They don't take it. And because I never told them I, I didn't even in the book what, what they said something about faith or this and that. I was not even knowing anything about it. If I know I would, whoever did it, I would take a knife or I'd take a sword and chop his head off. I swear <laughs> on the name of God. I would. I oh. would. No motherfucker would ever told me that. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Uh, well, that, uh, yeah, that pretty much makes your point very clear, Adnan. Uh, there's no yeah. question about that. Uh, you're you're, yeah. you're still old school, I think, is what we can say. There's no question about it. Yeah, no, I won't tell. Anyway, well, I hope he has enough information. And if you need anything else, you can call me some other time. I'm going to go downstairs in the pool and do some exercises. That's my second workout today. Yeah. Do you have, uh, Adna, do you have a, 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 an email account? Or how people? How can people get in touch with you? Like, say, if there's somebody who wanted the to... Phone the phone believe me that's well, the only way i can get right. along with people and talk to them on the phone call me on the phone and that's the best way we talk okay i don't and i'll, I'll, I'll tell I people that to, go ahead yeah 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 go i mean i cannot bother with email and this and that if, <laughs> if i do there will be 100 emails coming in from all over the world i cannot i don't know what, what am i going to do they're so you'd rather talk to them on the phone? <laughs> that might be, <laughs> yeah. that might be worse. If I talk to them on the phone, it would be better, just like you and I talked. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Well, I, won't give your phone calling. Uh, I won't give yeah. your phone number out, I promise. But uh, if uh, yeah. people get in touch with me and it's something that I think you might be interested in, I will pass that along. How's that, sir? Okay. That's, that's great. All right. General Ad, yeah. uh, I'm yeah. going to call you General Adnan because that's how, how I knew you. And uh, what a, you had yeah. a, tremendous okay. career, a tremendous life. And I want to thank you for taking time out. Yeah, yeah. You, you bet you. You bet you. You bet you. Oh. Keep in touch, my man. Keep All in right. touch. We're All always right. friends, okay? All right. Take care. You know, just like the Muslim people say, he said, we born from God. And mm-hmm. to God, we shall all return. Do you understand that? Sure do. Absolutely. Yeah. We all born from God. And to God, we shall all return. That's right. That's a very well saying in Muslim faith about people. All right, my friend. It doesn't, you know, you big and I'm small, I'm this, and that, 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 that,
That's all. That's the best way. So have a good day and enjoy your life. And God bless you. And we'll keep in touch. Okay? All right. Thank you, Adnan. Take care. Bye-bye. Well, I'll tell you, uh, Adnan is certainly old school. You think uh, he is? <laughs> he still very much adheres to that. And, you know, back in the day when, you know, they had what they'd call professional wrestling, uh, there was a lot of uh, shooting going on. And uh, those folks, I mean, you talk about uh, having heat. Uh, they just, they, they, you could, you could get killed. I mean, that was some serious heat and uh, boy did they have heat when they had that run uh with uh colonel mustafa uh, the iron sheik and uh, of course uh, general adnan and sergeant slaughter and we had sergeant slaughter on a couple of weeks ago and uh yeah he, he talks about that you talk about nuclear heat i mean doing things like <laughs> i want you to sing happy birthday to saddam hussein didn't you can imagine an arena uh, they're lucky they got out of there with their lives uh, many a night. And there were some serious threats. Um, they had security on their families uh, for some of these uh, events. And so uh, great story, though, with, with Adnan now living in Hawaii and, uh, you know, had quite a career. And, from you know, he says rags to riches to rags. And he's certainly not living in rags now. But when he talks about his time in Iraq when he was working for the government, uh, I think he said he was the general director of youth. <laughs> but I gave him a house and a Mercedes, and he said he couldn't go anywhere without thousands of people being outside. So I really enjoyed that conversation. Folks, we do have a guest lined up for next week, but uh, I'm not going to tell you who it is because I don't want to have to come back on again and say, because we haven't done the record yet. We're doing that. Um, but uh, we, we will have a great guest on next week. Uh, here on primetime. Uh, in the meantime, check out our t-shirts. Somebody's been uh, really checking them out. We've got some great shirts on there. We need to get some more up there. Um, but uh, uh, go to uh, mooneytees.com. That's mooneytees.com. Check them out. And of course, uh, continue to follow us on our Twitter and Instagram at primetime mooney. You guys uh, that uh, you got the prizes coming, or if you just want to ask me a question or give me some information, uh, you can get in touch with me via email. That's uh, primetimemooney at gmail.com. So that's about it this week, folks. Uh, I hope you enjoyed uh, this episode with General Adnan. So until the next time, thanks for listening to Primetime with Sean Mooney. I'm Sean Mooney, and I am out. <laughs>